Hey everybody, welcome to No One Told Me, where we believe hindsight is everything. My name is Callie, and just a quick recap of what we do around here every single week. We want to take these experiences, these moments, these seasons, where we're like, someone for sure could have told me this was going to happen, right? Someone could have prepped me. Someone could have equipped me with what I need to walk through this season. We want to take those moments and we want to take note of them. We want to remember what we wish we would have known. And we want to turn around and tell the people behind us. We want to make sure that we're equipping them with what no one ever equipped us with. And so this week in particular, I rewrote this intro a few times because I couldn't figure out how to describe everything that we covered in this episode. And then it hit me. Everything we talked about is everything I wish I had figured out sooner. So I've spent a lot of time in just some self-reflection. That sounds very deep and big, but really it's just, you know, when you're driving in the car and you don't realize how you ended up where you were going. Those are my moments where I'm just thinking back about the past maybe 10 to 15 years of my life. And there are some things that I'm like, man, I really do wish I had figured this out sooner. It's everything I spent years overcomplicating, if I'm honest with you. And there's something about talking to people who get it, right? Who understand the struggles, the frustrations, and the moments you just feel like an absolute dummy for not seeing what, in hindsight, was actually very plain, very obvious. So if you find yourself torn between a lot of good things, if you're tired of guilt guiding your decisions, and if you're ready to oversimplify the complicated, you're in the right place. This episode with She Works His Way founders, Michelle and Summer, this one I've been sitting on for a little while, and I can't tell you, I messaged them when I finished editing, and I said, God's sovereignty, like God's plan in me editing this the week that I edited it and having to listen back to it and having to rehear everything that we talked about, it was a kindness of him to do that for me. And so I hope that same kindness shows up for you today. Thank you so much for being here. Hey, I'm super pumped for this right now to have you both in one space. Like I'm already trying to make Michelle my best friend. Now it's your turn, Summer. That's where I'm, I'm at. here. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm just going to go ahead. Hey, so that I don't like get my ego bruised in the process. I'm going to bow out. You're going to like her so much. You really are. I love that's how I feel about my friend Brooke. If we both meet someone at the same time, Michelle knows Brooke. Like if we meet someone at the same way, I'm like, you're gonna like her more. Just know it. Like it's just this is what's gonna happen. Okay. She's just way more fun. It's fine. (laughs) How long have you all been friends? One hundred (laughs) years. No. She's she's been with me for like twelve years. But I would say like it feels weird even calling her my best friend. I'm like, that doesn't feel close enough. We're like sisters. (laughs) I think as an adult, one of the questions we get, top questions, is how do you make friends as an adult, right? So you spend your whole life and your friendships are based on proximity. Whoever you're around is your friend. And then you go into adulthood and you're like, wait, I have to actually know how to pursue relationships and be intentional. How did you all know, hey, this is my person right here? Was it over time, just like time spent in? Or you all are giggling profusely. I just want to know if you all had like a a ceremony to absolutely secure your friendship. It's all I'm asking. It's not weird. That's basically what we had. And I forced Summer to be my friend. (laughs) So what you need to know here is, okay, we're both introverts. But Michelle is a different kind of introvert in like, she's way more outgoing to me. Like when we go into Mm -hmm. an elevator, I know she's going to make conversation with whoever is in there. And I'm going to try my best to stare at the wall and like 
hopefully we're going to get to the fifth floor with nobody knowing that I even arrived. Um, so we have a lot that's different, but the things that are different about us are so complimentary that it was almost like you wouldn't, we wouldn't have picked each other probably, but then when we came together, it, it was a fit, like the actual definition of the word fit. And mm-hmm. so it made the things that we didn't have in common. The beauty of our friendship too is, you know, you talk about like the things that you don't have in common, but also like summer is so strong in areas where I am weak. And because we have chosen to do so much together, I don't even feel like I have weaknesses in those areas because it's like I have summer. Same. Same. (laughs) Okay. So here I'm going to poke. I'm going to poke. What do you all not agree on? What are you like? So like for me, for example, I don't agree that bike shorts are a good decision. So some of my closest friends, they love bike shorts. And I'm like, this is this is not great. Okay. Yeah. I just, I can wear sometimes wear them, but I'm never comfortable in them. But they're like, no, this is me now. I am, this is business casual. You see me, I'm going to put a blazer over it and I'm going to live my life this way. Is there something that's just like, you guys are like, this is the one thing that we are never going to agree on. I'm so stuck on bike shorts. Right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so happy for others to wear bike shorts. I, I unfortunately, um, I just look like I'm I'm standing on two tree trunks if I wear them, so it doesn't work for me. Can I tell so you any lessons. any valley valley on the back of my leg? You're gonna see it in those bike yeah. shorts. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like you're gonna mm-hmm. see the peaks and valleys they're back not there. And no, no, and they're like wear a long shirt, and then I'm like, well, then why why shorts? <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> okay, but to answer your question, what do you think, Michelle? What do we disagree on? Okay, so one of the summers like dream like this would be the best thing ever is if she got to go and sit at fashion week and see all of the designers and like i I would rather jab something in my eye (laughs) i am told that what happens on those runways that's fashion i i would never see it that way and I look much more presentable because she chooses my clothing. What do you love about the fashion week? Cause it is, it's like this off the wall stuff. Is it just the creativity of it summer? Yes, it is. Um, it makes my mind just explode in the most creative way. I am like inspired for weeks after I watch something like that. So it's the creativity of it. It's the beauty in it. It's the way they bring things together that none of us think about bringing together and they all work. Like it's from the details on an individual to the details of the entire show that come out together. I'm just absolutely obsessed with it. I have a great friend who she is always, she always just looks really sharp. She knows how to put an outfit together and it's always a little bit ahead of the trend. Like the trend hasn't quite gotten us yet. And I'm like, how do you do it though? She was like, I just put it on and I don't look at myself. Like she said, I just don't look down all day. So whatever I'm wearing, I can be as confident as I want to be because I'm not looking at it anymore. And so I'm just, and I was like, that's not bad advice. Honestly, I do the same thing. I do the same exact thing. And I do it with vocabulary as well. I just say the word confidently. And if it's wrong or misused, I just keep on going. And I'm like, oh, you haven't heard the new, you haven't heard that used that way. That's unfortunate. Yeah. I will say I can't see like a a space to decorate. I can see clothes and how they work together. But my house, we got a new house and I had to bring people in to decorate it. And I was like, here's your budget. One of my good friends is just, she sees it. She can look, but I see a pillow at home goods and I'm like, I like the pillow. I don't know what I'm going to do with it. Right. Like it's, (laughs) it looks great. I see it. It's a good looking pillow. I don't know where it's going to go. 
that's exactly Michelle has great taste. Like she'll see a piece and she'll love it, but she doesn't know where it goes or how to make it fit. Or she thinks, oh no, I have to like completely change everything to make this fit. But yeah, that is that is for sure my happy place. I I literally moved my adult daughters out of my house so that I could design their apartment. And it is where I am it is where I am happiest. Like when things get crazy or whatever, I'm like, you know what? I'm coming over. I'm going to come style a shelf. Okay. Oh, I love that. But those are the kind of people I need in my life. I need you to want to come and drive down to Knoxville and do that at my house. When you're stressed, I will give you multiple rooms summer to take care of. I am going to come and see you. Uh, Michelle has spoken so highly about the Wednesday night thing. I, I would love to come and see you. Hey, we had so much fun. We got to hear about the She Works His Way community overall. Your all's passion for building that community is the same passion of that Wednesday night in-person gathering. Um, but I know that you all, the She Works His Way community, it was a lot of trial and error, you know? So what made you guys first say, hey, this is what we're going to do? And then what made you keep going, even when sometimes it was a little rough? It was genuinely a conversation between four friends on Google Hangout at 5 a.m. That's how it started. And then I jokingly say that they bullied me into starting an Instagram account. But it was really God was burdening us like more more women need to have this conversation. If this is how we feel and this is how life giving this is to us, let's invite women into the conversation. And so every time that it appeared like trial and error, it was really just listening and responding to me. That's what She Works His Way has been built on. And if we have a strategy, it is ask the women that God has brought here, what do you need? And responding. Right. Right. Yeah. I would say what inspired She Works His Way is my own sin, (laughs) which sounds terrible. But at the same time was exactly what it was. That was the root of what I needed from a community And then to come together with these women early in the morning on the Google Hangout when we were talking and knowing that each of us were dealing with similar things, similar root issues. Mm -hmm. That's where I think we started was that that root issue, which the one thing She Works His Way has been super consistent in since day one is order. Mm -hmm. It all goes back to order, order, order. So even as practical needs have shifted or changed, the order has been the thing that has always been the central focus and brought us back, ironically, right? Because it's order. God first, even in trying to grow something. So the needs of the women all came back to that. And then we learned how to answer their needs by pointing them back to the order in practical ways and with the biblical foundation. So I think that is what we were all looking for because mm-hmm. I was unable to find a group of working Christian women who were passionate about Jesus and their calling and who didn't just work because they had to, they worked because they were called to it. Mm -hmm. And so when that group of women came together, the power in that, like we could have all just sat and stared at each other and it would have felt beautiful. Mm -hmm. It was so unique to come together and experience the unity in each other's needs. And then understanding that we all just needed the same answer. And for the most part, we needed we needed reminding over and over and over. What was the catalyst in that conversation or for you all personally, individually, that was like, Hey, we do need this. I mean, was it a repetitive 
conversation that happened over and over. You know, I tell my husband all the time, sometimes I feel like I'm on a merry-go-round. And it was like mm-hmm. the same feelings kept keep coming back around or the same frustrations or whatever. And I keep seeing the same sights over and over. So was there a catalyst like that for you guys that you were like, but we can do something about this. Like we don't have to keep just feeling this way. I mean, I think for me, it was recognizing the, the lure of success and how shiny and pretty you can package it and how easy it is to glamorize and nobleize and recognizing that there's no sin I'm not capable of. Mm. And so it wasn't just seeing it happen. It was looking at myself and going, yeah, the capability to do that completely exists in me. Mm. And I've learned in my life that the best way to safeguard is to keep God first and to have people know that I'm trying to keep God first and to hold me accountable who are also trying to keep God first. And so Summer was right in saying it's our own sin. It was truly looking inside and recognizing there is no sin I'm not capable of. And I, there's too much at stake. There's too much at stake. God's glory is too good. My, the family that he has blessed me with is such an important calling. I don't get these years back. I, I do want to do this his way. That for sure. Uh, for me, one thing that I, I don't know if you would call it a catalyst. I guess you would. 20 years of being a pastor's wife and not fitting into traditional women's ministry. And it wasn't because they weren't kind to me. They weren't loving to me. They weren't accepting of me. It was just because it mm-hmm. felt so different. I was very aware of how I was different as a woman when I walked into women's ministry. And so it was it was nobody's fault. But in mm-hmm. talking through with other women who were working women who were called to work, who loved Jesus, we desired this sisterhood that you mm-hmm. get as a believer anyways, mm-hmm. but the answers to the questions that we were asking, which in some places, and and remember, I'm a pastor's wife and I am my most favorite thing in the world is the local church. Mm -hmm. So this by no means is any negativity towards it. This is our fault. But a lot of the times the questions that we had were not, it wasn't the right place to ask them in traditional women's ministry. And even the gatherings, of the women, nine o'clock on a Wednesday, I was in a staff meeting, right? Mm -hmm. And then the calendar for the church filling up every evening and all the weekends, that was the only time I did have a home with my family, let alone the 85 piles of laundry that I had to do as well. So it was very hard. It was definitely an easy place to get resentful. And I just didn't want to see us do that. I didn't want us to choose the business world's version of um, making us better because we fit in there better. Mm -hmm. I knew that wasn't the right answer, but it was almost easier to be who I was over there. So the the merging of that, of the church, and then the understanding of our calling being so unique, that to me felt heavy 
And also, I felt very invited to be a part of that. Mm -hmm. And I I desired it. Mm. I mean, I feel like you are honestly reading my mail right now, Summer, with that whole explanation, (laughs) because I truly I've always felt called to work. I don't know if it was coming from a household where my mom worked full time, but Mm -hmm. I I just genuinely I knew my call early on and what God was purposing me to do. And I wanted to do that thing. But I also knew, you know, I wanted to be a mom. And so I honestly, even this summer, I told Ryan that I look back, I could barely handle maternity leave. So like I had kids, right? And then I'm like, I don't know how to do this mom thing. But let me tell you what I do know. I know how to work really well. And I know how to do this position. And I know how to work really hard. And so I was like, let me off this maternity leave. I want to go back to what I know. And I look back with regret on that season, because Mm -hmm. I missed a sweet time. And it was my own Mm -hmm. fault. No one was like, you need to come back. You needed it was my own fault. I missed a sweet time because I let who I was be so defined by what Mm. I was doing. But I also couldn't find anyone else struggling with that. Like most women that I knew when they had kids, they stopped working, which is a call in and of itself. I will never, that's why I couldn't handle maternity leave. I'm like, I don't know how you stay at home moms do it, but I couldn't find anyone else who was like, I want to work and I want to be at home. And and so that's like, I feel this on the realest level. It's a dual discomfort because it's a, Okay, this conversation, you know, like Summer was saying, these church gatherings aren't the right places to ask some of the questions that I have. But then also recognizing, okay, when I go to work, I like being challenged in these certain areas. But sometimes the areas where I'm being pushed and challenged, it makes me my priorities slip. Mm -hmm. And so I don't quite fit here either. Mm -hmm. And so it's taking the we like being challenged, but. We want to be challenged in the direction that brings us closer to Jesus. Mm-hmm. And that's where the two merging makes mm-hmm. this beautiful community. And as you've gotten older, have you not noticed how simple it really is? You all talk about like priorities are the base of what you do. And I look at my 20s and I was like, I spent my 20s completely overcomplicating this and making it so much more than okay, this is the order of things. Uh, mm-hmm. Jesus, my relationship with my husband, my children my work. Like, I just thought, no, 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 there's more to it than that. And there's just not. No. And I mean, listen, I'm going to brag on Summer for a second, because this is what Summer does. Summer is the best simplifier that I've ever met. And so, Kelly, you and I are very similar. And I'm the same way. It's like, this must be first. This must be second. This must be third. This must be fourth. And like, I make my list. And Summer's like, no, Jesus will be first and stop. Mm. Everything else comes into play. And I'm like, okay, I can't. Mm. there's there's no argument for that yeah but what order you know it's like okay fine but what order (laughs) but but truthfully I mean you're a hundred percent right we have we have overcomplicated it and we have made it so hard and that's why people give up is because I have to be this and 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 it's like no you just need to be his Well, and it's just this desire to prove yourself, right? I had that desire. I wanted to prove I can be a mom, I can be a wife, but look, I can also work full time and get the job done. So how do you check your motives? Mm. This is chapter one, we introduce ourselves in the She Works His Way book. And that is exactly what I write on. That is, that was my entire existence as an older teenager through my twenties, I would for sure say, um, as a younger woman, 
of course, wanted to please other people, of course, wanted to make them like me, of course, wanted to, I mean, I think we all to an extent feel that. But I remember distinctly a shift where getting other people to like you, it feels good and it's wonderful, but it adds more work. It actually just adds more, you know, and being a little bit of a loner, I didn't want too many people to like me. So I, I truly just, I didn't, I stopped really worrying about other people. And I started feeling more responsible for people rather than wanting to please people. And so that became another area of my life that, that became an issue. But for some reason, there was something inside of me that always felt I was competitive against myself, probably like mm. the inner critic that many of us deal with. I needed to prove myself. I have often wondered if I was the only person on this earth, would I like lay down and take a nap or would I still work? I, I absolutely believe I would still work. Mm. And I don't know exactly why I couldn't answer that question. So in order to check my motives to help myself, make sure that I'm not just trying to prove myself, prove myself, prove myself. I am begging God to be so clear about next steps. Even the the smallest, most insignificant moments of my life have to be surrendered. Whereas I think a lot of us believe it has to be these big, these big things like my big project. I need to surrender what is next, the next step in my career, the next whatever. I have to surrender to the Lord. Like I'm getting ready to get dressed for church. I love fashion. Don't make me about fashion more than you make me about worship. Mm. Like the most ridiculous small things that are just me trying to be everything I think that I should be mm. to please other people or to just prove it to myself that I can, that I will. Mm. I believe it's just a character thing that is inside of us that the Lord can use to make beautiful and wonderful and holy, but the proving of ourselves gets us absolutely nowhere. It, mm -hmm. it handcuffs us to our own desires rather than to his mm -hmm. desires for mm -hmm. us. Well, I was talking to a, a girl who reached out yesterday. She's 21 years old. She just finished college, just got married, and she's working full time. Uh, a local ministry has asked her to help build their like socials and their branding, whatever. It's a great opportunity for her, right? Mm -hmm. And so we're talking through all the options. She was like, well, I also know sign language. And so they also asked me to interpret. And then they also asked me to do this and this. And I was like, here's what you need to learn right now. You need to have <laughs> self-awareness to know how to manage your energy, not just manage your time, but to manage your energy. Because mm -hmm. you're, you're going to say yes, because you do genuinely want to help. But then you're going to be really ticked off that you said yes. Mm -hmm. And you're going to be ticked mm -hmm. off at the person, right? So we talked a lot about building these boundaries and what it looks like, especially when you just like to work. Like you just like helping people and investing in things and building things. So how do you know as you create these boundaries, when do you need to say yes? And when do you need to say no? It's funny to give that a like blanket answer because every season of your life is going to look different and require you. So like, you can't say, I can say yes to this many things and then I have to say no. But um, something that we talk about all the time is staying in step with the spirit. And so that means two things. It's twofold. That means I don't run ahead of God. So I don't immediately say yes in the moment. I genuinely do want to, pray about things and do what God 
wants me to do. Because I think sometimes that we don't realize if we are a person that says yes a lot is we like to say yes because it feels good. We don't like to say no. But what we don't realize is that every time we say yes, there's an inaudible no that we say at the same time. Even if it is never anything that we have to speak out loud, anything that gets our yes means that there are other things that we have to say no to. And so that's one thing that I run through in my brain while I'm praying is if I say yes to this, what is it going to require me to say no to? And then looking at the list of what it's saying no to. And if it's something that is more important, if if it would require me to say no to dinner with my family for another three, three more nights a week. Mm. Like I'm that that's going to have to be a no, even though that sounds like a good thing in this season, I need to be home and we need to have dinner as a family. So Mm. prayer and then just running through that exercise of if this gets my yes, what gets my no. Mm. When you are working and you've said yes to several things and it's all things you're passionate about, right? It's all things you want to be doing. Um, I am, so I'm a two on the Enneagram. So if like, if there is something that exists that I can say yes to, I will always do it. I mean, I just, I I just do, but I've had to start recognizing red flags that, um, my yeses and what I'm stepping into and what I'm deciding to do is, is defining more of who I am than anything else in my life. Right. And so this has been a summer of me learning surrender. Um, and I thought like it started at the end of May and I was like, okay, I'm good on it. God, like you taught it to me. I get it. We're going to do it every day. I'm going to be on my knees in the living room. I'm going to do this. So I've squared it away. We're fine. But he has taught me over and over that you never have this cornered. Like you never have this figured out ever. If you want to be rooted in me, this is what it takes. But for you all, when you think about these red flags that maybe your work is becoming who you are, how do you find your way back out of it? The people in my life, they are so good at showing me the flags. Mm -hmm. That is honestly what I stay really in tune to. And there's a few of them that I really stay in tune to. Um, We say at She Works His Way a lot, we don't want to be the women who other women approach. And they're like, I know you're busy, but... Like, I don't want to bother you. I don't want to, as soon as I start to hear those phrases, something's shifted in the wrong way, in the wrong direction. And this kind of goes back to the yes and the no's. You have to leave margin for the moments where God wants to interrupt whatever's going on in your life. And it's almost that open-handed view of your, of your day of, of what he gives you of all the things that you have to steward that you don't, you don't keep that white knuckle grip on things with the open hands and the margin left in your time and your day and your schedule for him to interrupt. You are waking up with a posture, not just, not just in your heart, which is the first and most important thing, but you are literally posturing your calendar. You are posturing Mm -hmm. your schedule so that the Lord can do a work so that he can create opportunities. And so in the moments where things start to shift in the wrong way and those red flags come out and I need to move out of it, it for me really practically goes back to what I said earlier, which is just that minute by minute surrendering instead of just, I don't just surrender when I wake up in the morning. Mm -hmm. That's a beautiful start. And it's truly the first thing that I have to do. And Michelle and I both have physical reactions in the morning responses to it where she wakes up and she, she actually opens up her hands in the morning. And I literally roll over and look out my window and like, I give God like my city, like Mm -hmm. I give God me, my city, my everything. And it just makes this gigantic difference, but it has to be to move out of it. It, 
you're not going to be able to do anything. You're not going to be able to reschedule, to cancel, to you literally just have to step into, okay, God, even if it's too much right now, I have to walk through this and I'm surrendering it to you. Mm-hmm. Redeem it. Because we forget he can do that. Yes. He's not a God that just wants us to start and stop. He can take a bad choice or a wrong thing and he can redeem it for his glory. We mm-hmm. just have to ask him to. So in those moments where the red flags come and I see it and I start to hear it, I'm like, redeem redeem the mistakes I've made to get here. Redeem the ignoring that I've done of what you've asked me for. And then let's let's move forward. And the most beautiful things come out of that because he's sovereign. Because he knew we were going to do that anyways. Because he has a plan for us. And because when we give it to him, he makes it beautiful. And one of my red flags is that my flesh sounds like a uh, prideful defense attorney. <laughs> and, you know, this the spirit inside of you is very... It's, it's humble and it's serving others. And that's what, it, so when my defense attorney comes out of whatever it is of trying to, to nobleize or to minimize something, like when I start to hear those things running through my head, I'm like, oh, this is not good. This is, this is not good. That is, that is not what the Holy Spirit sounds like. I know her and we need to make her be quiet. So I have to take a step toward, like, even if it's, I can't change these thoughts right now. I can take an action step in this direction and pray that God will help my thoughts catch up. Well, isn't it so valuable to know what the enemy is going to use in your Mm -hmm. life to convince you that you are doing fine, that you are doing okay? You said it's like that defense attorney comes out and it's you're saying, okay, but this is a noble cause or this is on behalf of the local church or this is for this ministry or this girl who's struggling or whatever. So, yeah, I need to say yes to all of this. And I think the enemy I know for me, he uses guilt. I mean, guilt is his greatest weapon in my life. And I had to recognize that over the past year, that guilt will control my decisions way more than the Holy Spirit sometimes. And I had to recognize where it was coming from. But, you know, you have guilt at working too much or guilt at not working enough or not being there for your family and not being there for your team. And it creates this spiral of emotion. So how do you battle, you know, those spirals of emotions or how do you find middle ground in it and say, I'm not going to be controlled by this? Guilt, hmm, guilt makes me angry. Guilt is the thing that I hear the most from women. And it frustrates me to know, and you are right. I think it would probably be one of the top, top things that, that Satan uses, mm-hmm. the enemy uses to discourage us, to distract mm-hmm. us, to whatever. The thing we have to remember is guilt is completely different than conviction. And conviction is what changes us. Conviction is good for us. Conviction is from a God who loves us. Conviction changes our trajectory to focus on him and to move towards him. And guilt does the opposite of all that. Guilt shames us. God doesn't shame us. Guilt hurts us. God doesn't hurt us. Guilt puts us on a track to try to make ourselves better and to muster up something so that we can repay whoever or whatever so that we can feel better about it. Guilt is exhausting and conviction as maybe uncomfortable as it is, is life-giving. Conviction asks you to turn and run towards Jesus. That's what, after conviction comes repentance and repentance is a turn away and then you run to Jesus. Guilt just, it keeps refocusing you back on yourself, on yourself, on yourself. So when you feel guilt, if you are focused on yourself, you're so deeply thinking about what you've done wrong, there's your key identifier that that's not from the Lord. 
And so then you have to stop and you have to force the enemy to shut up and you have to beg God to be loud and be clear and say, hey, is this is this conviction? Are you convicting my heart? And sometimes it's going to be yes and sometimes it's going to be no. But it is just subscribing to the voice of the Holy Spirit and just listening so intently and so closely to what that is that you will not be able to, after you do it a couple of times, you will no longer get those confused. I'm about to drop this mic and run some laps. I mean, I'm about to throw (laughs) it down and run some laps around this room because that was so clearly defined. I mean, that was such a clear picture of the difference of these two things. And I'm like, what have I been doing? What is, I mean, come on now. I've I'm grown I up in so it. upset by that one too. I am now sweating. Like I'm, <laughs> I did nothing and I'm sweaty. That's how much, because I just see it attacking women mm-hmm. and I'm, and I'm over it. I'm angry about it. Yeah. Well, and that's what I think a lot of women want. And I know you all had to have experienced this in building this community and, and this discipleship is that a lot of women just want to be seen right where they are. They're just so tired of acting like it is different than actually what it is. They want to act like I don't struggle with this or this is not really a problem for me or I'm going to keep going. And there are more of us who are like, please see me as I am right now. Please see me in this hurt or see me in this struggle. See me in this painful place. And that's my heart more than anything for women who Mm -hmm. engage with no one told me is that they just feel seen by the end of it. Like whatever season they're in that they feel like no one else has ever experienced that they feel like uh, no one has ever told them about it. So it must not be the same for everybody I want them to know oh no it is the same we just don't talk about it enough but for you all I mean have you all walked through a season like that where you're like I really wish someone would have told me about this sooner or any specific moments you think back to that you felt isolated and wished that someone would just reach out and see you for so long I lived in what I would call this like Jesus and complex of I want Jesus and this and whatever the and was it changed throughout my life but it was never just Jesus. Like that was never even communicated to me. And it didn't matter where I was, you know, it was, Jesus was never presented to me until probably my, my thirties in a way where I heard it at Mm -hmm. least of being like, no, seriously, Jesus is not even like enough is not even the right word. He's so much more than enough that we can't just say Jesus is enough. And so I wish that I had heard, received, and lived with that so much earlier than I did, because it was never that I didn't want Jesus to be a part of my life. I wanted Jesus to be a part of my life since I accepted him when I was six years old. But it has only been in my 30s that it's just been like, Jesus, I just want you. And whatever else you want to do with my life, I trust you. I'm here for it. Let's go. And that has been the most freeing, joyful, not easy, but the most freeing and the most joyful way to live. Jesus, you're it. You're all I'm working for. You're all I'm doing this for. There's no other reason. There's no other motive. There's no other thing that I need. It's just you. I think... For me, I held tight onto my drivenness, my good work ethic, my ambition. The things that people always told me is, oh gosh, you're a hard worker. (laughs) The compliments that we get when we are driven, I held so tightly onto those because I truly thought 
that they were the things that fueled me to be the good person, even the good Christian that I was supposed to be. Mm -hmm. And I had to flip that on its head and understand that Jesus was the fuel for those things. Those things weren't the fuel for Jesus. Mm. And when I was able to do that and to understand that it changed everything, I wish that I would have known that sooner, that it didn't mean I had to get rid of my drivenness or my ambition or my go getterness, whatever you want to call it. It just meant that I had to channel it in the right direction, but I didn't even really have to channel it in the right direction. I had to let Jesus fuel it. I had to let it be fueled by him instead of letting those things fuel me to be everything that I thought I needed to be. And I even truly believed that that was a part of being a faithful follower of God was that he was going to be so proud of me because I was such a hard worker, because I was such a go-getter because I was so driven. So I was like, you know what, God, you, you can go and get all the rest of those lazy people just sitting around and you deal with them. I, look at me. I'm going to do this. You don't even have to worry about me here. Mm -hmm. And then understanding that was just, that was just tying me down. Mm -hmm. That was just taking me in an opposite direction. And there was a deep tension, a deep one. And I couldn't understand what it was. And it just needed to be flipped. Mm. And you all can, I know you all agree with this. If you're in your 20s right now and you're listening to this and you hear it, I know the Callie of even a year ago, the Callie of a year ago could have been driving the kids to school or driving to work or folding laundry or on a walk listening to this. And I would have said, yeah, Jesus, great. I already know that. Like, I know Jesus is good. I know he's more than enough. I know, like, I can rattle off scripture after scripture, but there is such a difference such a difference in knowing that and making it true in your life. Yes. I mean, yes. it is, I've heard it for so long, but there's a huge difference in hearing it and knowing it and making it true in your, cause you have to make it true in your life. It has to be that intentional decision. And I think in my 20s specifically, if I'd heard that, I'd have been like, yeah, but if I work hard enough, like look at all I can do. And that satisfaction that I get from proving I can do it is going to be better. It's not better. It's not, it's mm -hmm. not better. When you finally get the thing that you think you've always wanted, it's still not good enough. And so that what you all are saying is that over, we've overcomplicated it. And mm -hmm. I agree wholeheartedly. I wish I had realized so much sooner how simple it is. Yes. Mm -hmm. And I want to just encourage those 20 somethings that are listening right now too, so that there's not this expectation that they will wake up tomorrow morning and they will just be able to make it happen. I believe wholeheartedly that faith is a practice. Mm -hmm. It is a practice. It is a practice. And it is um, frowned upon to say, fake it till you make it because I do not at all mean fake it. But I believe there is something very authentic about saying, Jesus, I'm not there yet but I'm going to walk in this way that you've told me to walk and then you will get me there. I want so this to be true for me. Yes. Yes. Yep. I want this to be true for me or that, um, that verse in Peter, the, um, I, I believe help my unbelief. He is saying right there. I believe help my unbelief. Well, which is it? Do you believe it? No, no, no. I want so badly to believe this help my unbelief. And that is what the Lord has to do. We have got to practice at our church my pastor, who's also my brother, and I love very much. He says all the time, our affection shape our desire. So if we love Jesus most, then it solves everything else. Because what we desire, first of all, Psalms tells us that he will give us the desires of our hearts, but they have to be the desires that he has, which that means all we have to do is love him most. So our affection will shape those desires and then we'll, we'll move in the right direction. But the thing is, how do I make sure that I do love God most? I mm -hmm. practice it. And you can practice it just like 
the world practices all the mantras, all the affirmations in the mirrors, mm -hmm. all of the things. Like they've got something there, people. Like we, like they've got something. They're just saying the wrong thing. We've got to wake up and say, I love you. I love you most, God. I love you most, God. And we say it and we say it and we say it until it becomes true. Mm -hmm. And it will become true, mm -hmm. but we can't be afraid to practice loving God most, mm -hmm. to practice listening to the Holy Spirit and to allow ourselves just like in anything else we do, not to expect it to happen overnight. Mm -hmm. Supernaturally, God could make it. He could do that for us, but we might miss out on some sanctification. We might miss out on some opportunities for growth. We might miss out on some opportunities to show other people. We don't have this yet. So watch me watch me struggle watch me fight for it because it's worth fighting for and it means so much more when you're fighting for it i mean it, it's just it like does. when you can it trace does. how it's grown and you can trace where you were and where you are it just it just means something a little different you know as the kids say it hits different i'm young i'm cool i'm youthful i know things you know <laughs> hey guys we end every episode with one question and it's probably one of my favorite ones we ask what's one thing that you are so happy that someone did tell you about. And this can be anything. I mean, this can be like a truth or this can be a show on Netflix. It can be a drink. We cover the whole gamut of things. Okay. The first thing that came to my mind, that's just the one I'm going to give you. Um, so I grew up as a pastor's kid. And then I went from being a pastor's kid to being on staff myself to being married to a pastor. And pastor's wife somehow added a pressure and a picture that I had in my brain of what it was supposed to look like. And I was just like, Oh, I am, I am nothing like what this picture is that I have in my head. And I, I'm terrified of it. So I was confiding in an older pastor's wife of all of the things that I was attempting to do largely in my own strength. If I'm just being mm -hmm. honest, I, I was, I was working and I was in seminary and I was, trying to be the perfect pastor's wife. And I think that I even use like the word perfect to her and her name's Elizabeth Parks. And she just looked at me and she said, Michelle, perfection is not the same thing as holiness. Mm. And when she made a distinction in my mind, I realized that perfection was rooted in others' perception of me. It was rooted in others' expectations or my own expectations and holiness is something that is between me and Jesus. And she encouraged me to go in the direction of pursue the things that are between you and Jesus. And please let all of those other things go. Otherwise, you are going to be miserable. Mm, my goodness, that's good. That, she knows some things. Let's get her. Give me her number. I don't need to call yeah. her, too. You got it. <laughs> How about you, Summer? Um, Trader Joe's plantain chips. Speak to me. That? Speak my language. Let's also talk about the mango college. strips, whatever those are, the dried mango. Oh, my daughter's obsessed with those. But did you know the plantain chips also have a spicy version of them? Give and of so when you feel like if there's anybody out there listening, when you eat and you can't like stop because these plantain chips will do that to you, go back and get the spicy version because your tongue will burn out of your mouth. So you will have to stop after probably it is one to built in self-control, which is what I need most, Absolutely. you know, like just, I need Absolutely. it to be built into the food if at all possible mm -hmm. at all times. Hey, before I let you all go, we got some big things we got to hit first. We got a book yeah. coming a big time book that we're going to get into target. I feel it in my soul that 
We are we are going to get this bad boy into Target. But here's what you don't understand for authors, guys. The stores, the box stores are only going to pick it up if it has good pre-sale numbers. So that's why you see all these authors like, hey, go, you know, go ahead and buy it. Go ahead and get your copy of it ordered and all of that because it looks so good to the big box stores. So let's talk about when it's coming out and how they can find it. So the book is coming out October the 12th. And right now you can go to sheworkshisway.com slash book. And that has all of the different places that currently have it available for pre-order. It also has a button that says free gifts on it. And if you go pre-order the book and then hit the free gifts button, you'll get the pre-order bonuses, which there's five of them, I think. Mm -hmm. um, one of them being another conversation like this one between us, but also you get chapter one. So Summer gave you a spoiler alert of what she talks about in chapter one about the living to prove herself. I talked about living for approval mm. and we just share a little bit of the story and set up the foundation. And so even though the book doesn't come out until October, you can get chapter one and you can read it right now if you pre-order and register for the pre-order bonuses. Mm. I, guys, I'm so excited for you all. That just like, <laughs> when you see people doing like solid and great and incredible kingdom work, I just believe there's so much power in believing in those people and partnering with them as well and being like, you're doing a good work and I don't want you to come down from the mountain. I want you to, I want to come up there with you. Like I want to get, I want to get up there and do the work with you. So I cannot, I'm Kelly, so excited about it. Hey, nope, don't leave me. Don't you leave nope. me down here. You down stay here. Right with <laughs> um, But also you have your conference coming up. The, yes. the Narrow Conference. It's coming up. Hey, tell me when it is and how we can find out more about it. I want to tell you when it is. November 5th I only plan about two to four weeks out. So but yes, you guys should absolutely come to Narrow and join us. It is two days of worship and training and conversations all about how to keep Jesus first because that's what matters. So mm. we talk about a million different things. We come from a whole bunch of different backgrounds, different industries, but it is all women who work and who love Jesus. Yes. And by the way, the way we define work is anything that you do for the glory of God. So if you work hard at managing your home, you work. Mm -hmm. So you should come and you should join us and we would love to have you. Oh, I love, listen, I, I'm someone who loves to run some laps when I hear good stuff. So I hope you've got a track there because yeah, it's big. It's I just, big. you know, Kelly, have we talked about this? What? Like, do you know that I run laps? <laughs> You're a lap I, I think Summer might've said that. Yeah, yeah. I run she laps, runs laps, laps and, and does cartwheels. Voluntary cartwheels. I think I'm going to give myself a concussion sometimes on these interviews because I will like slam my head back and forth nodding so hard because I'm like, it's so good. I just want to like get in the phone and be like, this is so good. No, just more of that coming in November. You can find everything at sheworkshisway.com. You can also follow on socials um, at sheworkshisway, which is, I mean, they put out good stuff every morning that I'm like, people are going to get tired of me sharing the stuff to my stories because they're going to be like okay we get it you love it you agree with it it's great I have one last thing to admit um Summer the way that your name is spelled in my head I say Somer I just need you to know I just do totally okay <laughs> totally okay go ahead and do the last name for her, Summer it's so my last name is Phoebus but um I introduced myself as Somer Pahoabas because <laughs> you'd be shocked how many times I get that it is the worst I'm 
I, I have forgiven my mother, but I'm still not over it. I don't know what she was thinking. I legitimately, in my head the whole time, have said, like, I've had to tell myself, it's not Somer. It's not Somer. Stop <laughs> trying to say it. Stop it. It's not uh-huh. right. But it's like people uh-huh. look at my name and they say, Kaylee, Michelle, you're the only lucky one here. Okay? I know. <laughs> I am. I'm the only lucky one. <laughs> it was close. I was almost harmony because my parents are both musicians and my sister is Melody. Okay. Know my personality and imagine... I was named Harmony. Tranquility. That's exactly what people think of when they meet me. <laughs> Don't you? Like, a beautiful name. A beautiful name. But we not dodged for someone else. Certainly. Yes. A beautiful name. For oh, else. I love it. I love it so much. Hey, guys, I love you all. I'm so, so thankful for what you do on behalf of women and on behalf of the kingdom. And listen, I've got a front row chair. I can't wait to see what's next. Love, love you. Love you.